Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, December the 23rd, 2023. It is currently 9.44 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, before we do anything else, sitting here to my right is my Advent wreath with all of the candles. And so it's time... to light the Advent candles for the first week, second, and third week of Advent. We need to do that. So we'll get those taken care of here. One second. All right, we have the candles lit. And so it is fast approaching the end of the third week of Advent. We're about to begin the fourth week of Advent. And more importantly, we're about to enter Christmas Eve, then Christmas Day, And then before you know it, Christmas morning will turn into Christmas afternoon. Christmas afternoon will turn into Christmas evening. Christmas evening will turn into Christmas night. Then you wake up the next day and it's over. It's over. Now, I don't know how quickly you start taking everything down, but before you know it, everything's put away and Christmas has come and Christmas is gone and Christmas 2023 is in the memory. It's, it's in the, it's, it's in the, it's in history. It's, it's forgotten. Maybe you will remember it. Maybe you will not. But as always, at least for me as a believer, I always struggle with, did I, did I, did I do anything? Did I grab onto anything for Christmas this year? Did I did I grasp onto anything? And so many times I'm left feeling, again, like, you know, you walk over to the ocean and you, you put your hand in it and you're like, oh, here's this wonderful, amazing, beautiful, powerful thing. And you pull your hand up out of it and it just whoosh, right through your fingertips and it's gone. And it's amazing, but you can't really grab on to anything, right? You can't grab on to it. And sometimes I feel like Advent and Christmas. Here's this season. Now, I know, there. I look, I've, I heard a broadcast the other day about Christmas and don't celebrate Christmas and Christmas is evil. I, I Look, I understand that you, it, it, that's what's so frustrating about Christmas. Here's this time of year where 
whether whatever you whether you agree it's the right time of year or wrong time of year, it's really irrelevant. It's just days on a calendar. Hey, this is time we are going to celebrate the incarnation of the eternal Son of God. And you try to do that, then you got some Christmas Christians screaming, "It's evil! Don't do it! Have nothing to do with it! Stay away from it! Don't do this! Don't do that! Don't do this! Don't light a candle! Don't have a tree!" And you're like, "Okay, so I got Christians yelling at me. I got the world saying." Hey, focus on presence, focus on this. And everyone's got this and everyone's got that. And you, you sometimes you want to scream and go, could everyone make it stop? I just want to dip my hand into the ocean of this story of God sending forth his eternal son, the incarnation, virgin birth, all of these amazing things. And I want to be able to grab something onto it so that when it's over, I've benefited spiritually. But I got I got Chris, Christians yelling at me. I got the world yelling at me. I got my own sinful nature and desires. You got life, you got circumstances. And sometimes you're just like, you know, what's the point? And you want to just yell and you want to just scream. And that's sad that it turns into that year in and year out. It's just sad. Sometimes I just wish like, like, uh, like sometimes I wish like uh, the beginning of Advent, I could just go, I could go check myself into an, a monastery and just like, I'm just going to stay here. Just going to stay here. And then I'm going to, now, would I come out of the monastery any more spiritual? Probably not. Probably, but at least I would feel like I, I've dipped my hand in the ocean and I tried to, and I tried to bring with me a glass or something so I could bring something with, back with me. And I could say, here's the water from the Atlantic or the Pacific or, or wherever, you know? So, um, but it, it, it's always hard. It's always hard. But you know, that I guess you can focus on all the things that make it difficult or you can focus on hopefully something better. So here, the candles are lit. In fact, actually, I lit, I lit the wrong, I lit the uh, wrong candle. All right, hang on. Let me, let me fix this, ladies and gentlemen. Let me fix this. I'm going to turn the microphone here. I'm going to fix this. Hang on. It's the third. It's the third week of Advent. I lit the wrong candle. I lit the, the candle for the fourth week. There we go. All right. Got to I got to lit the one. Uh, I got to lit the I got to light the candle. I had to lit the candle. I had to light the candle for the third week of Advent, which is about joy and mercy and rejoicing and that type of thing. It's a time of celebration. So I'm going to ask you a question. Tonight we're just going to have a little devotional here, all right? So let me just ask you a question before I get into the text or anything. Let me just ask you a question. If you were like, if you had, oh, right here in front of me, right here in front of me, have this new journal. It's really awesome. It's really awesome. I got this new journal. And for this new journal, I have to use a, I know this is like, it feels like I'm committing some kind of a, like crime, but I have to use a felt tip pen for this journal. But if I was to open this journal, right, and when you do journaling, one thing you're supposed to do in journaling is you're supposed to be able to be so like brutally honest. You're supposed to be able to share anything. Now, the only problem with sharing anything brutally honest anywhere, at some point someone's going to find it. So I don't know how brutally honest people are in their journals, but you really are supposed to be, right? You really are supposed to be. But but if I was brutally honest and if I was to do a journal entry on what brings me the greatest joy 
what brings me the greatest amount of joy and rejoicing. Now, kind of inadvertently, this Advent season, we kind of fell into rejoicing becoming a major thing. We talked we, we talked about the major principles of Advent, and then we kind of stumbled into a topical study of rejoicing. I don't know if you participated in it, but if you did, hopefully you benefited greatly. So what brings you the greatest joy, the greatest rejoicing. The what I mean honest, just like be just be as blunt as possible with yourself and then ask yourself, the thing that you just listed, the thing if you if you have a journal, you could just you know tell everyone and, and you, you know, if you're if you're listening with family members, you're like, "Hey, hey, turn your head, turn your head, look look away, look away, look away." And you could write in your journal, "Dear journal, dear diary, the thing that brings me the greatest joy is" and then you can describe it. Now, after you write that down, is that a temporal kind of joy or is it an eternal joy? Whatever you would classify as bringing you the greatest joy, the greatest amount of rejoicing, is it a temporal one or an eternal one? What do I mean by that? In other words, you can grab onto this and say, it brings me great joy, great great rejoicing. But if I'm being honest, that's a temporal thing. It's One, it may, it may be an uncertain kind of rejoicing and joy. It could fluctuate from day to day to day. Well, that's not good. And it could be a temporal. In other words, it's going to come to an end. Or is the joy that you wrote down, the thing you truly rejoice in, the thing that truly brings you the greatest joy, is it something that is certain, consistent, unshakable, does not move, and it is eternal. First, we have to identify what truly brings us the greatest amount of joy, the greatest amount of rejoicing. We've got to be brutally honest with ourselves. And then once we label it, then we have, once we write it down, then we have to classify it. Is it, is it a, is something that's consistent? It's in a sense, it's an immutable rejoicing and joy. You're rejoicing and joy in it all the time. Or is it something like, well, maybe it brings me joy. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does today. Maybe it doesn't tomorrow. Maybe it brings me like, and just, you start kind of figuring that out. Is it a temporal? It's, well, that would be temporal. Obviously it's, it's very, it's very ever changing and it's very temporal. You know, what is it? And, and well, should you even be rejoicing or having joy in it? I mean, there's lots of questions you could ask of it. But then can you or can you identify going? It's immutable. It's 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 unshakable. It is consistent. It is eternal. And it's the right kind of joy. Now, life. The temporal life, the life and this the physical temporal life on this planet. We find lots of things that we rejoice in and we find joy in, but it's always temporal. It's ever changing. Let me give you an example. Right now, behind me is a window. I'm in the second floor studio, right, in my home. And right below this window is the front yard. And there are probably, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 inflatable Christmas decorations, right? There are these inflatable, sometimes referred to as blow-ups, right? And there's there's all kinds of different ones out there, right? And someone spent a considerable amount of time trying to get them all right, trying to get them all perfect, right? Hey, and he, he maps it out every year. He puts it up. 
you know, he's what, nine years of age now or 10 years of age now. Uh, he's been on the news for, for his decoration here. The news came, I think, last year and interviewed him. And it's, it's a big thing. And he finds great joy. He finds great rejoicing in those Christmas inflatables. He loves putting it. People in the neighborhood come. They bring their kids. People drive by, slow down. They take pictures. It's a big deal here in, in the neighborhood. It's a big deal. All right. So, but guess what? This year, he had to hurry up. He had to hurry. There was a lot of pressure. And so he didn't really get them set up to the same level and quality that he typically does. And right now, in fact, when I woke up this morning, they're a mess. They're just, I, they're a total mess right now. And in fact, they're not even, they, ha- they haven't even been able to be up because they're a mess. They're, strings are broken. Things, now, we've had, we've had some, not really thunderstorms, but we've had some high winds, warm weather, and, and some rain. So it caused some problems. But they're a mess right now. So whatever joy he gained from those Christmas inflatables, it was fleeting it was it was short term. In fact, we and we had our big little like kind of family extravaganza. We all went out there one evening and we sat there and and it, there were people listened to music and we sat there and watched his inflatables and he was the happiest person in the world. There was great joy. But now it's just I'm like I'm so frustrated with them. I'm like this is a mess. They they can't be up right now. They're a mess unless I'm going to go out there and take a flashlight and spend who knows how long trying to fix them. It's just it's just a mess right now. They just need to come down. It they've, they've become a source of frustration a source of irritation, a source, it's become more bothersome. Now, hopefully maybe tomorrow he could come and work on them and get them up and then we can have them up for the, you know, for Christmas Eve night and Christmas day. And maybe, maybe people in the neighborhood will, will benefit from it. I don't know. But something that was supposed to bring joy. That's what I'm trying to say. As much joy as you find from it, if you're going to classify it, that's a temporal one. Clear, clearly temporal. It's seasonal. It's That's how temporal it is. And in, in this case, it's a source of something other than true joy, even though it appeared to be that way at first. So what brings you the greatest joy, the greatest rejoicing? Well, if you follow the historical lectionary today, the reading is in Luke chapter 1, 57 to 66. Luke 1, 57 to 66. So I said, I was here in the studio and I was going to just take a minute going, I don't know, really know what I'm going to do. And I know, I know I'll light the, I'll let the, I'll light the candles in the Advent wreath and I'll read the text. So I opened the text and I saw it and I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to go live because I read this verse, Luke 1, starting in verse 57. Now, Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. Verse 58, and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. Now, we don't need to get into the historical context. We don't need to get into anything here. Here's a woman by the name of Elizabeth. It's time for her to have a son. All right. She's going to bring forth a son and his name we know is going to be John and he's going to be called John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. Okay. We, we, we could get into all the discussions about that. But her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had shooed, showed her great mercy and they rejoiced with her. 
They rejoiced because the Lord had shown her mercy. Now, there, in this particular case, the mercy here is very simple because, well, she was, she, she is having a child. So, so they're, 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 they're connecting the mercy to something very specific. But I just want to look at that rejoicing connected to mercy. We rejoice in a lot of things. We take great joy in a lot of things. And a lot of things we do are temporal. They don't last. They're not consistent. They're not stable. We may even be taking joy and rejoicing in the wrong thing. But in this particular case, I want us to consider just taking this verse and just consider the idea of rejoicing in God's mercy. How much do you truly rejoice? How much do you truly joy find joy in the mercy of God? Do we really rejoice? Do we really take great joy? Now, I don't know in, in, in if what you're going to get for Christmas, if you're going to get a present or not get a present. I don't know. I don't know how much joy or rejoicing you will have in it. Some, some adults love gifts and you may have one that you're going to get and you can't wait. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. Or you may not care that much about it. I, I don't know. But I know that there's so many things we rejoice in and have joy over. But I don't know how much we rejoice in God's mercy. And, and well, we'll, we'll consider a, a, just a couple of passages here about God's mercy. But uh, let me just read it to you again. And now Elizabeth's full time came that she should that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her now of course this rejoicing is directly related to God showing mercy by allowing her to become pregnant and have a child but God's mercy just in general shown to us should we not rejoice and have great joy in that fact? I think we should because the Bible does a lot and says a lot about God's mercy. And I think it it emphasizes his compassion, his forgiveness. Let's just look at some, uh, just a few scriptures that I have in mind here. Okay. Um, Go to Psalm 103. I I don't know if this is the best one. Psalm 103. But I'm I'm thinking of of passages about God's mercy. So let's go to Psalm 103. Let's look at verse 8. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. God is merciful and plenteous in mercy. God is merciful and he has plenty of mercy. Do you rejoice in that? Do you truly find joy? When was the last time you were truly felt the emotion? Look, I know theologically you can say, oh yes, I rejoice in God's mercy. And maybe on a Sunday you'll lift your hands depending on the type of church you go to. You may sing a praise course about God's mercy and you may even feel emotions for a few minutes. But there you have a lot of things going on. You have lighting, you have music, you're in the right setting. I'm just talking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and everyday life. Are you, do you ever feel overwhelmed for God's mercy. How about Lamentations? Lamentations. The book of Lamentations, chapter 3. 
Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 says, This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassion fell not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God's mercies are new every morning. Now here, especially in the historical context, Judah, Babylonian captivity, judgment, but they have not, Israel had not been completely wiped off the face of the planet. Israel still existed because God's mercies, that's because of God's mercy that they are not consumed and because his compassions fell not and his mercies are new every single morning. The reason you're not consumed, the reason I'm not consumed, the reason we are still here because God's mercy. But do we truly rejoice in it? Do we truly find joy in that mercy? How about Ephesians chapter 2? How about Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. I'm a skipping some here that I have in mind because I don't know how well they work. But I think this one. Yeah, yeah, this one works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. But please note, God who is rich in mercy. We have a God who is rich in mercy. We have a God whose mercies are new every morning. We have a God whose mercies are so great. Yet, do we rejoice in them? Are we overcome ever with an emotion and feeling for that mercy? How about Titus chapter 3, I believe. I believe it's chapter, uh, Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, very famous verse. Titus chapter 3, uh, very famous verse. Yes, okay, chapter, uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, uh, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. God's mercy. There's plenty of verses about God's mercy. God's mercy and God's mercy should be rejoicing there. Elizabeth's neighbors saw that God had shown mercy to Elizabeth and they rejoiced with her. The mercy led to rejoicing. Well, guess what? She experienced God's mercy by simply having a child. Now, yes, a very important child, John the Baptist. Yes, great. A, a, a wonderful privilege. But we experience God's mercy in something far greater, but it still deals with the birth of a child. It was the birth of Jesus who came to save his people from their sins. According to, I believe that's Matthew 1, 21. I'm just going for memory. I believe it's Matthew 1, 21. He came to save his people from their sins. Specifically and foremost, that's about Israel. But it's also about us because he came to save us from our sins. Look, we were unrighteous. We deserve nothing. But God, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We, we, it's, and God's mercies are new to us every day. It's not just the mercy to save us. It's the mercy that we continue to experience day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out as a Christian because we're constantly sinning. We're constantly falling short. That's where we should find rejoicing. That's where we should find joy. Everything else especially in this life, it's temporal. It's inconsistent. It's up. It's down. It can go from good to bad. In fact, it can be like Christmas inflatables currently in my yard that are broken and a mess and strong. They're all, they're all over the place. There's just, there's nothing joyful. Now it's just like, it's frustrating. It's irritating. But guess what is never changes God's mercy that is shown to us in a, well, a babe that was born. And we celebrate that birth. Not that it happened on that day, but we celebrate the birth of that babe, Christ Jesus, because in him, there is the mercy of God. The mercy of God took on physical form. And when we look to that baby, there is mercy. That is what we should rejoice over. Now, sometimes as parents, this time of year, we get all super spiritual we get all pious and we're like, you know, we're not going to buy very many gifts because we want our children to focus on what's most important. And we, we become very sanctimonious because we want to teach them a lesson. Well, we're trying to teach them a lesson. We're sometimes very guilty of the very thing we're supposedly trying to teach them. Now, I understand it's good to try to teach them a lesson, but sometimes I think it's, willing to, it's better to just be honest to them going, you know what, this time of year... I wish I was more excited and rejoice over the fact that God sent his son and in that baby is mercy and I have access to that mercy and that mercy is new to me every day and every day there is forgiveness because I need it. But to be honest with you, I find greater joy and rejoicing in everything else. Maybe your kid's hearing the the truthfulness of that. Maybe the church being more honest with that. Does the church, we, we say, oh, it's Jesus is the reason for the season and we celebrate it. But do we really? If I remember correctly, I got a, another journal over here. And I think this journal has, I think one of the entries that I made at the beginning of 2023. I did a kind of a little devotional like entry in my journal. Uh, It was in pencils. It's very faded right now because the kind of paper it's on. I should have used some kind of, well, pen, but I was on, it looks like Luke 5, 8, and I put Simon Peter recognizes his sinfulness. And this is a story about Peter being confronted with his own sinfulness. And I says, how many times, and this is what I put in my journal, how many times have I truly felt the reality of my own sinfulness? How often have I really felt it? True spiritual growth begins with the revelation of our own sinfulness. If we're really going to grow spiritually, we have to be first confronted with our sinfulness. There can be no growth until there is clear acknowledgement of your own sinfulness. And I said, I am not sure there is some simple formula 
uh, we can follow to make this happen. I don't know if there's a simple, I don't know if there's a simple formula that can say, well, you can really feel the weight of your sin. I said in Luke 5, uh, what led to Peter's revelation was the following. Uh, Peter put forth his opinion. Peter put forth his opinion. He was shown he was completely wrong. And then he was confronted with the power of God. And then this is what I wrote in, in for this first entry of 2023 in this journal. Do we ever truly understand our sinfulness without a major failure? Do we ever truly feel the reality of our sinfulness until we have a major failure, something big, something humiliating, something filled with shame? And when we do, then we feel it. And it's when we feel it. It's when we, when we are like, oh man, I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, God's mercy is the greatest gift in the world. We rejoice over it. We find joy. We, we don't, at that moment, we don't want anything else. At that moment, when you truly feel the weight of your sin, God's mercy is like, it's like an oasis of water for a man who's been walking in the desert for months and is about to die of thirst. Then God's mercy is an oasis and you want to just throw yourself in it and say, I never want to leave. But until you feel that God's mercy is just, just a theological concept, until you really feel that. I think we take God's mercy for granted because we don't truly feel our own wickedness, our own sin. And I'm not saying we should go out and commit sin, but I think sometimes if we could truly come face to face with the reality of how sinful we are, God's mercy then would be the greatest thing in the world. Then it would be the gift that we want. We would desire that gift above anything and everything else. We would truly appreciate it. And, and Christmas, at least the third Sunday of Advent, is about joy. It's about rejoicing because of what God is doing to, for us in Christ Jesus, which is he came to save his people from their sins. It's mercy. What he will do for us when we are glorified and, and our sinful body is, remo- is changed and we have a glorified body, no more pain, no more suffering, and no more death. That's what we should be rejoicing over and what God has done and will do for us. But we tend to find our focus and rejoice on everything else. It is amazing how you could have two scenes, two scenes in two different homes. One home is a child who may be experiencing Abuse, physical, emotional, being neglected, alone, isolated, scared, fearful, feeling like he can never do anything right, maybe not even wanting to live. And Christmas rolls around and he doesn't even know if he's going to be going to get a Christmas present, doesn't know anything, doesn't know what's going to happen. And maybe someone from the outside sees that child and realizes, man, that's a bad Christmas. So they knock on the door. The child opens the door. Hey, is your parents here? No, I don't know where they are. The parents are gone somewhere. And that stranger hands that child and said, well, I wanted to give you a, a Christmas gift. 
So I'm just going to leave it at the door because I don't want you to be aware that you know, I'm going to do anything. I'm just going to leave it here and you wait until I leave and then you come out and get it, right? The child comes out, opens it. It's, it's one toy, probably nothing even that expensive, maybe something small, maybe something insignificant. And that child's eyes light up. Maybe they're filled, there's tears streaming down their cheek and they're so grateful. So like they can't believe they got a Christmas gift. And even though anyone else would look at it and just be whatever. And then... Two blocks over in the same city, there's another home. And the kids come down and there's 30 presents. And they tear into one and they kind of look at it and toss it to a side. And they look at another one, toss it to a side. They look at it and they just take it all for granted. And they may even say, oh, well, some of those gifts weren't even really that good. And they don't appreciate it. Sometimes as Christians, we're like those kids who take it for granted. Now, it's not their fault. And I know sometimes parents are like, well, that's why I'm not, I'm only going to give them one thing so that they will learn to appreciate it. You can't just learn to appreciate it. Just like I don't think as a, as a Christian, you can just learn to rejoice in God's mercy. I don't think there's just a way to just say, I'm going to do so. I, I think what happens is you have to be in the right situation. And when you're in the right situation and you're confronted all of a sudden one day, I don't know what happens. God, you see it. God's word hits you in the face. Maybe you stumble into a, a big sin. All of a sudden you feel the weight of your sin. You feel it. You feel it for the first time like you've never felt it before. You're broken. You're humiliated. You're destroyed. And then all of a sudden, God's mercy again. You're like that child at the door and it's like... Here's God's mercy. And you're like, oh, the greatest thing ever. I just want mercy. I don't want anything else. Just give me mercy. And then you love it and you and you cry and you weep and you're rejoicing. But I think so many times we're like, oh, it's Christmas. Yeah, Jesus came. Yeah, mercy, forgiveness. He died for me. I got it. Now, we would never say it in such a disrespectful way. But inside, we're very much just kind of like... Ooh, we got some food. We're going to play some games. We have some gifts. We're going to spend time with family. And all of that's wonderful. Not in any way diminishing that. But we don't truly rejoice over what we should rejoice in. And I think it's God's mercy. God will have mercy in whom he will have mercy. His mercy is a sovereign mercy. It's a great mercy. It's new every morning. You, you could make an outline about God's mercy if you wanted to. The story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. It's not just a cute little story because it's about a baby. It's a cute little story because that baby is mercy incarnate. It's salvation incarnate. It's grace. It's truth he is the eternal son of God who came and will die for sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that he not only provides us mercy, he provides us an imputed righteousness. Oh, I would like to say on this, you know, night before Christmas Eve, That God's mercy will be enough. I, I can't say that. Maybe I, I'll miss. Look, I, I, I have my past is, I could get into all about my past, you know. I've got some really bad situations I can remember. 
but there are some good ones. And sometimes as an adult, you want to recapture the magic of, of that. And, and maybe it's the gifts or I don't know what it was for you. And maybe you won't be able to feel that. And maybe it will be depressing. Yeah, I love, I love when I can get a gift on Christmas and try to recapture that just a little bit. I love that. Some years it works, some years it doesn't. But man, if I could sit here on Christmas Eve night or Christmas night and say, Lord, I rejoice and I am filled with joy because of your mercy. Even though the time of year is filled with a life of uh, stories and memories of really bad situations. I mean, December the 26th is my mother's birthday, who died when I was young. December was also the time that I was in a psychiatric hospital when I was a teenager because I tried to kill myself. But in the midst of all of that, whatever rejoicing I had or didn't have, Life can take it away, but the one thing life can't touch is I can rejoice in God, my Savior, because of his mercy. I just wish I appreciated it more. Now, I appreciate it when I fall into great sin, but I wish I appreciated it every single day. Just some thoughts. On this night before Christmas Eve, while everyone's yelling and screaming about Christmas trees and Christmas and December 25th, and they're running around fighting and fighting and fighting and yelling, and, and the world is telling you to focus on this, if you'll just, in a sense, just cover your, you know, put your hands on your ears and just like block out all the sound, and once it becomes silent, hey, you see that ocean over there? That ocean is the whole thing that there was a, 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 a eternal God, one God, three distinct persons, co-equal, co-eternal. God the Father sent his son, his only begotten son, and was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. And that baby was the eternal son of God who came to save sinners. While everyone else is yelling and screaming and fighting over whatever they're yelling and screaming about, you just go put your hand in that, bring a glass, bring a bucket, and you dip it into that ocean. Because that, I mean, just look at John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. There's so much to the, to the quote unquote Christmas story, the, the incarnation, to the, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, virgin birth, all of these wonderful things. Dip that bucket in. And find that which is eternal, that which is immutable, that which is unchanging, that which circumstance cannot touch, and rejoice in that. Because everything else, just block it out. You can email me your thoughts, news, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. For the few people, I'm looking here really quick. For the few people listening in just a few states, thank you for tuning in. I greatly appreciate that. Our streaming schedule over the next couple of days will be um, tomorrow morning. We'll have a 
will be at Victory Baptist Church in Ovalo, Texas. There'll be one message there. That'll be somewhere about 1130, probably when we will start. We'll be more, you know, uh, we'll be doing some Christmas hymns before that. We don't stream the music portion. Um, And then um, probably Sunday afternoon, maybe Sunday evening, I'll be live here in the studio. And then maybe late Sunday evening, late Christmas Eve, I'll be doing something live, hopefully on the air. And then Christmas, at least at some point, I'll be live streaming some kind of devotional message, theological message. Uh, and then we may do more depending on you know your, your need. But just remember, this is a great time to focus on Christ. Don't forget other people. This can be a very difficult and lonely time. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. Rejoice in God's mercy. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.